This show contains four-letter words and adult situations. But what did you expect? It's called Now That I'm Older. Remember what the main use for movie phone was? Oh, dude, so when so chicks you, called yeah, past so fucking curfew, you curfew and shit. And you didn't want your parents to wake up. You called movie phone and wait for the beep. Bucks. It was a car they thought that I couldn't kill myself in because Volvos are damn near indestructible. And let me be honest, you you couldn't. We we tried. Yeah, we many, actually started trying to the end of that car's life. We were like, let's see if we can actually fuck this car up. That had just flooded in the parking lot. Could have died anywhere. And I just imagine what the cops would have said if they'd walked up to our car in the middle of the night and been like, so um, where'd you guys get the pumpkins? Sorry about my shit intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Now That I'm Older with Shane Smith and Ken Baldwin. A.K.A. KB Paperstacks, A.K.A. Baldwin Escobar, A.K.A. Danger Zone, A.K.A. Vanilla Thriller, and A.K.A. MC Killer B. No one calls you any of that. Okay, so I was a pretty good student through most of school. I got good grades, usually did pretty well in most of my classes, but all that changed for me my freshman year in high school when I bombed this one class that would come back to bite me in the ass. I had to retake advanced algebra and trigonometry, and it wasn't that I wasn't trying when I took the class. I just didn't get it. I'd been fine with math my entire life all the way up until my freshman year of high school when they started adding letters. Then suddenly it's like I'm reading fucking hieroglyphics. I mean, what was this? So I had to step back into a freshman math class once again three and a half years later. I walk in halfway through my senior year thinking, this class will be no different. I'll get to know the teacher, I'll tell some jokes, I'll make up the class, pay attention, get my GPA up to 3.0, and I'll get into a good college. The moment I walk into class, I sit down, and me and the rest of the kids are in there cutting up and talking like you do or you did when you were in high school, when this evil presence floats into the room like a fog. Like when people say Voldemort's name out loud, that's how it felt. And then suddenly the door slammed. And when I say it slammed, I mean like an angry girlfriend kind of slam. All of us snapped to attention immediately and got really quiet. And we're told in this icy voice, literally devoid of emotion, there will be no talking in my class. When you come in, you are to get your notebook and your book out of your bag and turn to the front of the room. Do I make myself clear? The way she said it wasn't angry. It just was. This was Mrs. Neal. She laid down her expectations that day, and there was never any question as to who was in charge of the room when Miss Neal walked in. So we started in the class, and there's no getting to know you, period. She doesn't ask about anybody's background, no fun facts, none of that stuff. She just takes everyone's name during roll call and then says, turn to page 12 in your book. Miss Neal was like a professional hitman or an assassin. She had no fucks to give whatsoever. So we dive right in doing basic algebra, and everything's good. And then as the weeks keep going, I try to do what I always do. Make a couple of jokes, make a couple of comments to see if I can get a little bit more fun out of this class and it stopped feeling like an algebraic concentration camp. But nothing. Miss Neal was the same whether you were in the hallways, whether you were in the parking lot or at a football game. She was just always this icy cold person. It felt like Miss Neal didn't like her job, didn't like kids. And to be honest, it really felt like she generally hated everybody around her. So, knowing she didn't like me or sunsets or puppies and basically just didn't like happiness, I figure I'm just going to buckle down, do my work, but again, I'm just not grasping it. I tried after-school tutors, I did extra credit, I tried doing a rain dance, but nothing was fucking helping. I still wasn't getting advanced algebra and trigonometry. And in the middle of the semester, I kind of made a decision that I'm still going to do my homework and all that stuff, but I stopped trying to do really well. I mean, it was the last semester of my senior year, so I was just kind of checked out. 
I decide I'm going to pass, get out of this class, get moved on, and just get fucking graduated. And at the end of the semester, on a Monday, I get told to stay after class by Miss Neal, and she gives me this thousand-yard stare that basically makes you shut up and listen and says, Mr. Smith, despite all your efforts, you are failing this class. Your final is on Thursday, and without a grade in the high 60s, your GPA will fall well below the 3.0 mark you are looking to get it to. I decide at that moment, holy shit, I have fucked up again. I gotta have this grade. I have to do well on this final, so on Monday, I go home to study for advanced algebra and trig. No hanging out with friends, no distractions, no getting on the phone, nothing. There are other finals to study for, but my focus was renewed, and I was completely focused on advanced algebra and trig. On Monday, I start studying. Tuesday, I start studying. And on Wednesday, the night before my final, I tell everybody I know I can't hang out, and I lock myself in my room. My little brother wanted to come hang out with me. My mom and dad wanted me to watch TV with them. I can't do anything. I'm convinced that I've got to get a grade on this this test. I've got to get a great grade. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I lock myself in my fucking room and read this information over and over again. Reading the book, reading note cards, doing everything in my power to finally be able to get advanced algebra and trig. I stay up until 5 a.m. I started at 4.30 in the afternoon, but at 5 a.m. I said, you know what? I've got to get a couple hours sleep. I've got to do well on this final. It was first thing in the morning, but I knew, I just knew that I had studied enough to wake up and just know how to do this test and do well on it. And as soon as I walk into Miss Neal's class, I sit down, grab my pencil, face forward, just like she always says. And I knew that I probably should have stayed up until six studying because as soon as I start looking at the paper, once again, I have no fucking idea what I'm looking at. These are hieroglyphics staring back at me. And I don't know the answer to 90% of the questions that I'm looking at. As soon as I finish the test, I I'm, feel like I'm stabbing in the dark for most of the answers I give. I felt confident about maybe a third of the answers I gave. And I just knew I was getting like a 2.7 or some shit like that. And I was not going to be able to get into a college that I wanted to go to. Back then, we had just started the Hope Grant in Georgia where you had to have a 3.0. And they would pay for college for you. So I had to get to that 3.0 number. I handed my test to Miss Neal and I just knew it was over. There was no way I was going to get the grade I needed, which was like a 65, 68, something like that. The next week, the grades were posted for the finals, and I went to Miss Neal's room to get my grade, and there it was, shining like angels were singing in front of me, a 65. Not a D, not a C, not even passing, but I'd gotten the grade in the high 60s I needed. Miss Neal had known I needed a 3.0 to be able to get out of college, get out of high school and get to a good college. I walk into Miss Neal's class and said, thank you so much for posting the grade. Thank you so much. I, I feel like I, I didn't think I did that well, and without missing a beat, she looks over at me and says, Thank God for the grading curve, huh, Mr. Smith? This woman who hated everything and everyone around her had finally given someone a break. Hey guys, welcome back to another week and Now That I'm Older. A show about how getting older sucks but can be awesome at the exact same time. You can find us online, go to nowthatimolder.com or also on Facebook as well as Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show anywhere you find us online because that helps us out a lot. You can also find us on Twitter, Gmail, and Instagram, but it's at NTIOPod. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash nowthatimolder. And if you give to us like our badass patrons, we're going to give right back to you. Remember, we have Patreon-exclusive content over there, so go to patreon.com slash nowthatimolder and sign up so you can get your exclusive content today. You can also find us on Twitter with the hashtag Potter and Family. Now, Potter and Family is a family of podcasters that came together to cross-promote each other, spread the word about badass independent podcasts, and basically create a family out of thin air. 
If you go to Twitter and check out the hashtag Potter and Family, you're going to find our show as well as the Cozy Corner podcast, the Freaking the Fuck Out podcast, and the Murder We Wrote podcast. And this week on episode 164, we take a stroll down memory lane and bring back some of the stories of our late teens. We talk about stealing pumpkins, we talk about taking a hairpin turn at like 80 or 90 miles an hour and ending up in somebody's front yard, and then later on, we close the show with probably one of the stupidest criminals I've ever heard of, and Kenny agrees. So check it out. We'll be right back. It's showtime. Okay. Would it be safe to say that when we were in our late teens, early 20s, we did a few clandestine things? Dude, we, we invented clandestine things. They weren't like clandestine in the sense that there was anybody really watching, but in our heads, we were very sneaky. We were fucking, we were rebels with the only, the only cause we had was to cause bullshit. <laughs> we were rebels that nobody cared. We, we were rebels with, <laughs> with no fucking consequence as far as, cause the shit we did was pretty harmless, except the one time we threw pumpkins through a dude's window. That, that, that was Adam. Been, that was not us. That, was, that Adam. was, that was Adam. Adam did throw the pumpkins through the window, but that I, kid but, was a chode. So that was okay. What we're talking about guys is there was a Halloween Many, many, many years ago, um, and we'd been out of high school for a couple of years, and we had one of those nights where none of us were drinking, none of us had done any drugs whatsoever, and we just had one of those nights where we just wanted to get into some fucking shit. So we decided to go steal some pumpkins. From the front of a Walmart. You know how they stacked the pumpkins out in the front during the season? Like during Halloween and shit like that. It was like they 2 would, o'clock in the morning. And there was, there was nobody out there. Like the pumpkins didn't get put up at night and shit like that. And I remember pulling up in Kenny's car and being like, what the fuck are the pumpkins just doing sitting out here? Like nobody thought maybe there might be some asshole kids who might want to come along and steal the pumpkins, but no, nobody was sitting out there. So we go up, grab up a whole shitload of pumpkins, put them in the car. And when I say we grab a shitload of pumpkins, I mean, we had like 20 or 30 pumpkins in the car. They were decent sized ones too. And then we go to pull away and Kenny has this shitty car. It's Volvo 1978 Volvo that he had a car phone in one of the first people. No, no, no. That was my second car. I thought you had a car phone in the Volvo. No, the car phone was in the Lumina. Oh, that's right. The Lumina. Kenny had very uh, mom cars. All of his mom's cars I got still passed do. down to him. But um, anyway, we're we're going to pull away. And like we think we have just gotten away with robbing the Bellagio, basically. Like <laughs> in all our heads, we are the biggest fucking hoodlum criminals you've ever met in your entire life. It's, and like, it's like Ocean's Eleven team. Exactly. So we pull through and we get like, I don't know, like – maybe 50 feet away from where we stole the pumpkins and Kenny's car dies floods like (laughs) turns it over, pulls out, gets 50 feet away. The car dies. And this old man, big ass ZZ top beard old. When I say old, I'm talking like for us, we were in our late teens and this dude might've been 50 years old, but he had the big ass beard and shit. And he's taking, he's doing that Jason walk from all the movies where eventually he catches the teenage girl, like just walking. Yeah. Now he's not doing the Jason walk in the sense that he was walking slowly intimidating. He was more like he had diabetes. Yeah. He he looked like he was about a week away from losing his foot. He was pissed off. He had to come out there in the first place. And he was doing the old man, like stupid kids walk. And he was getting closer and closer. And all of us are in the car going, Kenny, turn the fucking, when I say all of us are in the car, there's literally like five or six people in this car, along Mm -hmm. with 20 pumpkins in this car so we're like sitting on top of pumpkins and shit like that to try and get away and we're like kitty come on and i'm all like what do you guys think i'm doing just trying to build suspense here for shane's story <laughs> kenny is sitting there in the front seat going i'm trying i'm trying dude gets within an arm's length of the car when the car finally fucking turns over and we pull the fuck out 
and we fly across the parking lot. Finally, as soon as the car turns over, we are out of the parking lot. And as soon as we get out of the parking lot, we take the fuck off. Our friend at like, we're driving like 70 miles an hour out of this parking lot in this fucking Volvo that had just flooded in the parking lot, could have died anywhere. And I just imagine what the cops would have said if they'd have walked up to our car in the middle of the night and been like, so, um, where'd you guys get the pumpkins? And this is like 1998 yeah. Smyrna. So there's not like, or Austell. So there's not like a ton of cars on the road at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, hell no. There was nobody. It wasn't a ghetto back then. It was just fucking a lot of old people that lived around and the fucking sidewalks got rolled up at nine o'clock at night. So we're literally the only car out on the entire road. So we pull away from the parking lot and our friend Adam in the backseat goes, I got an idea what we can do with these pumpkins. And we had this friend of ours who had always been associate. I would not call him a friend. This, he, this was acquaint- in the mar- he was in the marching band with us. So technically you could say we had a relationship from being in marching band, but none of us liked this kid. He was a dude that we knew. That was pretty much as far as it went. Like none of us were buddies with him. None of us ever hung out with him. Like we were dorks and the, the outsiders kind of thing, but he was just a dork. Like yeah. there was nothing outside yeah. about him whatsoever. And he was one of the, like when you think of a ginger in a bad way, <laughs> that's what you think of this guy as this guy's name was David. And he was just think about the shittiest ginger, you know, that's him. That was David, just a chode and a guy that you didn't really like. So Adam's in the back seat and he says, let's go to David's house. So we pull well, up to David's there house. There was a little bit more to it. We had another friend who was not with us who really liked this girl. And uh, the guy we're talking about kind of swooped in and took her. Oh, yeah, that's right. And back then, right. we were all actually pretty loyal to each other. Well, we we had what we called the group. And when right. I say the group, it was like we had about 20 or 30 people that we all hung out with that we considered, like, if they called you at 3 o'clock in the morning, there was about 20 people back in the day that if they called me at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, I just got busted, I need somebody to come bail me out, I would have called all the friends I knew and tried to get bail money together for them. Now there's Correct. like five people in the world that I would do that for total. But back then, we were loyal as fuck to each other. So as soon as he, Adam says, let's go to David's house and fucking do some shit with these pumpkins, we're all like, yeah, let's do it. And again, we feel like we are, like Kenny said, we are fucking George Clooney and Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven, and, and also, we have pulled off a heist. Also, we were like rebel kids that got into trouble, but we didn't do anything too malicious up to this point. We would, you know, we'd, we'd leave stuff on your doorstep. We'd... uh We'd put, like, hazard tape on your door. We didn't destroy property or anything. We would prank call you. We did cart bash, but that was corporate property. Very different. Now, one one thing, just as a side tangent, that we did do that was a little bit destructive is when we moved our friend Telvis's car, we just picked it up and moved it to another space. It. We, just, we just moved it to where he couldn't move his car. Yeah, we moved it to Until he got people who could pick it up and move it back. We so, moved it in between two poles. So, back to this whole story. We have no idea. Adam says, let's go to David's house. He doesn't say what he wants to do with the pumpkins, but he says, let's go to David's house. As soon as we get there, Adam jumps out. No questions, no answers, nothing. Just jumps out and starts hurling pumpkins into David's yard. And all of us get out of the car and start doing the same thing. And then Adam, in the middle of it, like I said, there's four or five people. I don't remember who else is with us. It was a 19-year-old kid. We didn't really know. It was somebody's brother. He wasn't 19. He was like 16. We were like 19. Exactly. We were all like 17, 18, 19, right in there. All of a sudden, in the middle of it, Adam walks across this dude's yard. We are in the middle of a neighborhood in Austell, Georgia, walks across this dude's yard, and he had one of those big-ass bay windows in the front with, like, that huge piece of plate (laughs) glass, throws a, I want to say, seven, eight-pound pumpkin right through this dude's glass in the front of his house, and suddenly everything has gone from— And mind you, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. 
Two o'clock in the morning, middle of a neighborhood, everybody's asleep. This glass breaking. The people inside that house thought that maybe terrorists had invaded their home at that point. (laughs) They were under a home invasion. Maybe not terrorists, maybe just some assholes trying to break into the house. But suddenly Adam has taken this from family fun. We're just, you know, doing some innocent pranks where we're throwing pumpkins on a guy's yard. yard. Yeah, that's like TP in somebody's house. Now suddenly he has broken the dude's window and all of us immediately drop the pumpkins we have, run back towards Kenny's car that had just died 15 minutes before this. And we're like, oh, Jesus. An audience. God. Guess what happens when we go to take off? Floods. It does. It does get. But luckily we're on a hill. So I just went ahead and let off the brakes and just coasted out of his neighborhood. And eventually we got the car started. And uh, I'm pretty freaked out at this point because we've already almost got caught stealing at Walmart. That guy could probably have our tag. That's that's a misdemeanor right there for fucking stealing pumpkins from Walmart. Anybody from this dude's house could have walked out and got our tag because we're like literally going five miles an hour down the road, rolling down a hill. And we're all still screaming at Kenny, get the car going, so man, get I'm the car trying, going. I'm trying to get us back to our friend's house where it was like the base for the night. It was uh, the lady's house who I was sleeping with her mom. <laughs> And so we finally get the car going, and once it gets going, I'm like, let's get the fuck out of here. So I'm gunning it, and we go down this road with this really bad S-curve, and uh, my accelerator got stuck. This was that night. I forgot uh-huh. this was that night. It was, um, oh, God, it was that girl CJ's brother was with mm-hmm. us. He was like 15 years old. He wasn't 16 years old. He was young, young. Yeah, David Adam, uh, another David, a friend of ours, David, is David Johnson. He, he's perfectly fine with us using his name on the show. He was with us. This girl, CJ, her little brother was with us. I forget his name. And we start going down this road. What's the name of the road again? Milford Church. Milford Church Road. And it doesn't have that S-curve anymore. They took it out. Back in the day, this was like, if you watch those Baja races where they're like speeding through fucking dirt or, roads. Or and a shit drift like race where you're supposed to slide sideways. Yeah. So we're going through. This car, this was like... Uh, the danger machine, like Scooby-Doo had the mystery machine. Kenny had the danger machine, dude, because we already flooded one time trying to steal pumpkins, flooded one time after we committed, you know, basically a property damage to some dude's house. Then the car, we're going around an S-curve. Kenny, suddenly we're going really fast and we just keep on going fast and keep on getting faster and faster. And we're all like, Kenny, what the fuck are you doing, man? Slow down. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. And Kenny's doing his best. And I know if I hit the brakes while this car is going this fast, we're losing all control. We were going legitimately on a road that's like 35 for the speed limit. We're going like 50, 60 no, at this we were point. we're going way faster than that. No, we, when we, it we started were, sticking, we're going like 50, 60. Yeah. And this is when Kenny's saying in his I mind. I was driving at 50 and 60, and then the, it stuck, and we ended up getting to about 85. The accelerator sticks on the car. We go way past 60. We're going 75, 80, 85 miles an hour. And we get to the S-curve. And legitimately, we fly off the road. No, not at first. We go sideways. And we're sliding. And when we start to slide, there's a fucking telephone pole right in the middle of the person's yard. We slide off the road into somebody's yard. Well, I did some stuff. Well, Kenny's throwing the wheel around, trying to control well, no. it, trying to put us where we need to be. I did the only option we had because we're sliding sideways right at it. We're, I mean, we're heading right at it. The passenger side is going to hit this pole. So I decided to take an emergency maneuver, and I slammed the emergency brake, the the, the uh, pull-up brake, right. the parking brake, and hit the wheel as hard as I can. So our slide spins. Somehow, we managed to spin around the pole. And the reason I remember it being CJ's little brother is because CJ's little brother is the one who's sitting 
on that side of the car, on the passenger side, where this fucking telephone pole is coming. And Adam. You hit the, <coughs> excuse me, you hit the emergency brake right at that moment. CJ's little brother says, I'm just, wa-, he told me after we stopped, he's watching the pole spin completely like maybe 10 feet away from the car. Like it was the center of a carousel. Exactly. Like the, the fucking telephone pole was holding us on a, an axle and spinning us around it. And we come to the stop in the middle of someone's yard. Yeah, like middle of the yard, not close to the road, like dead middle of their front yard. Like their back bumper, or our back bumper, is maybe, I want to say 30 feet. It was like dead center, man. It was dead center of a front yard. I'm saying like maybe 30 feet from their house. From their house and 30 feet from the road. So right in the middle of the front yard, like we parked the car there like we're about to sell it and shit like that. (laughs) The car stops, the engine dies, and we're all just sitting there. And I remember... This moment of just sitting in the car for a minute and looking around and going. Nobody said anything for a second. Oh, are we okay? Is everybody okay? Are we dead? <laughs> are we in heaven? <laughs> so we, we all just sit there for a few minutes and we finally come back to our senses and shit like that. And everybody's just like, can you try to start the car? And, man, and like it's first it, time that night, it started right up. Every other time we've tried it. Right as that, that house's light came on. Those people wake, mm-hmm. woke up, they turned on their light. Car comes on. We get the fuck out of there. We drive like normal for the first time that night. I drove like an 85-year-old man. <laughs> I remember Kenny typically is always the stunt driver, always the driver who's doing the crazy shit in the front seat, always the guy who's doing all this shit. And that night, he drove like my grandmother when she was going to the bank to cash hands her retirement at, check. Hands at 2 and 10. Yeah, 10 and 2 on the fucking wheel. Like If it's a 35-mile-an-hour speed limit, we went 37 at the most. And we pull back in to our friend's house for the night, walk in and everybody else from, you know, quote unquote, the group is sitting around. There's like 10, 15 people just sitting around and we're walking in, you know, we, we had pumpkins with us. So we're walking in, bringing pumpkins <laughs> into their house. And everybody's like, Hey man, what are you guys went up to? All of us are stoic. Don't want to talk. Except the 15 year old. Oh no, dude. CJ's little brother's walking in going, dude, it was so fucking awesome. We slid off the road. We spun around this telephone pole. The first thing I said out of my mouth was, can we do that again? As soon as the car came to a stop and all of us are like, Jesus, just shut up and let's fucking enjoy the fact that we didn't die. Yeah. I was pretty freaked out after that. Okay. So if you're ever in a car that slides off the road going 90 miles an hour around a hairpin turn and you see an actual post outside of the window spinning around like the car is spinning on an axis around it and you survive, I guarantee you will drive like you're taking your mom to church on a Sunday too. This was one of the scariest things I've ever been a part of and all you guys who've listened to the show for a while know that's kind of a high bar. Next up, we're going to run to a quick promo break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about the stupidest criminal that me and Kenny have ever heard of, basically because he doesn't know the meaning of clandestine. So check it out. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm the believer. I'm Cody. I'm the skeptic. And together we are BSP. The Idiot Syncrasy Files. The podcast where two idiots discuss weird phenomena. This week we're talking about ghosts. I believe in ghosts. Why? There's too much weird stuff in the world for it to be coincidental. See, I don't, because ghosts are souls, and shirts, pants, and jockstraps do not have souls. These ghosts should be naked. My jockstrap has a soul. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Join us every week where we talk about cool phenomena ranging from... 
Skinwalkers to Simulacra. There you go. Bye. Bye. Find us on Google Play, iTunes, and all those other podcasting places. Or visit us at www.bspodphx.com. Anyone else here trying to earn money for college? Your mom goes to college. Have you ever been sitting around and said, man, I wish there was more now that I'm older than just the one episode I get every week? Well, now you're in luck. If you go to patreon.com slash now that I'm older, you're going to get stuff just like this. Our president is an internet troll. This episode is called Meat Bullets, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I want Meat Bullets. But I'm waiting to meet the first flat earther. And I might get arrested, but I'm slapping them straight dead in the mouth. Not like gently like haha like i'm slapping them like the joker would slap you so be sure to go to patreon.com slash now that i'm older contribute up to the ten dollar level and when we drop patreon exclusive content you'll get to hear it every single week and remember getting older sucks but can be awesome at the same time thanks a lot the force is with you young skywalker but you are not a jedi yet It's been a thousand years since the Celestial War, and the great races were rendered extinct. A thousand years since the establishment of the Decladine Empire, and peace came over Pylos. But an ancient secret that promises of untold power has broken the Alliance and threatens to destroy the realm. Join our heroes, Tash. Grab Daryl. Get out. I will follow you. Go. Silverpaw. You'll pay for this, Sylvia. Craig. Someone is looking for you. The name Tash. And Bagger. Let's get dangerous. As they uncover dangerous secrets, ancient cities, and race against time and the Empire itself. To save Pylos. Download The Stranger Lands now before it's too late. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. So, the reason I bring all that up is the Volvo that you had was very nondescript. Yeah, it was a typical, like, seven, like, late 70s, early 80s model, burgundy. Everybody knows the look. The square burgundy Volvos. Yeah, it was the 20-year-old Volvo. Like, back in 1998, everybody still had them because those cars run until 350,000 miles. It was my first car. My parents got it for, like, 500 bucks. It was a car they thought that I couldn't kill myself in because Volvos are damn near indestructible. And let me be honest. You you couldn't. We we tried. Yeah, we many, actually started trying to into that car's life. We were like, let's see if we can actually fuck this car up. If we run it into a wall, we'll be okay, but will the car survive? That was the questions we started asking. So the reason I say, you know, it was very nondescript is because the FBI right now needs help finding a guy that has the word dork <laughs> tattooed across his neck. Now, a minute no ago, way. I showed no I, sh- way. I showed Kenny the picture of this guy. His name is Sean Frederick Weatherhead. And I'm going to post this picture online when we uh, put the I story up. I didn't notice the, the text said dork, I'll be honest. When we put the story up, I'm going to I'm going to give you guys a picture of this because the guy has this thing that looks like, I want to say like musical bars across his head. It looks like a, <laughs> a bird across his head. He's got tattoos on his neck. He's got tattoos on his face. I mean, it looks like he has a goatee tattooed on or just a really, really bad goatee. But this guy is uh, described to be a transient with ties to Eugene, Oregon, Reno, Nevada. Uh, they said he has 11 different aliases. 
He's accused of allegedly contacting the FBI's public access line in offices around a thousand times since December, and in at least three of the calls making threats to kill people. So that's smart. <laughs> we that's were, the best place to call to make threats. <laughs> Sean Frederick Weatherhead has called the FBI. Well, at least he cut out the middleman. A thousand times. I haven't called anybody a thousand times. He's probably called me a thousand times. You and my wife, maybe. Maybe you and my wife, maybe my mom, I've called a thousand times. Maybe my little brother. That's it. I have, there's no business in the world, even movie phone. Back in the day, before you had a fucking <laughs> website on every corner to be able to get the movie times from, I still didn't call movie phone a oh, thousand dude. times. Do you remember what the main use for movie phone was? Oh, dude. So when so chicks you, called yeah, past so fucking curfew, you curfew and shit. And you didn't want your parents to wake up. You called movie phone and wait for the beep. Does anybody else remember whether you're a guy or a girl, whether you were dating a guy or a girl sitting around late at night, like it was 1130 at night on a fucking Saturday. And you knew your dad had said no phone calls after 11, no phone calls at all in this house. After my parents didn't care if I was on the phone, but by God, if a phone call rang and woke them up late at night, that would have been the end of it. See anybody who's listening right now, who's not uh, old enough to remember the time before cell phones and before everybody had one in their hands, First off, thank you very much for listening if you're that young. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Secondly, for everybody who's listening who doesn't understand that, there used to be no fucking cell phones at all. And there was a line in the house, basically. And if you were lucky, there was a line in your room. And if you were a lucky teenager, you probably had a 50-foot cord so you could walk around while you're on the phone. Or the kitchen phone had a 50 to 100-foot cord on it with that long-ass cord that would get tangled up and you'd like – your mom would always sweep around it and shit like that in the mm-hmm. fucking kitchen because it would hang low and shit. But what we used to do is we'd call movie phone at like, okay, call me. Uh, you, you'd call your girlfriend. You know, you'd call your boyfriend, whatever. Kenny probably called his boyfriend at like 11. Dude, why, why are you making it out like being homosexual would be an insult? I'm not. I'm not, me. but. At the time, you told me you were bi, so you might have had a boyfriend. No, this was way after that. <laughs> so anyway, you would call your fucking boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, look, call me back in, in like 10 minutes. And and if you call me at 1110, I'll get on the phone with movie phone at 1109. And then that way the phone wouldn't ring. It was fucking genius. Yeah, I remember a lot of nights, we all, we all had pagers. <laughs> pagers. A lot of nights, because David's house, I stayed with David for a little while in his trailer with his dad. And they didn't have a house phone for a while. So for a lot of nights, we spent our nights standing on a sidewalk, talking on a payphone to girls <sighs> in front of a shitty old Exxon gas station where we bought crappy fucking beef jerky that's what we mainly lived off of for about six weeks until they put the quick trip in at the corner by this my was, house this was pre-quick trip for any of them that's right there. isn't that fucking exxon now a a, a shitty um, cell phone store no i think it's they've expanded uh, chattahoochee tech to where that used to be <laughs> so um i still remember talking on pay phones i remember taking a taxi um from a girl's house back to my mom's house when I was old enough to be able to get my own taxi and shit like that, like so many different things have changed yep. from then to now. Cause now you just call an Uber and it's like, uh, where do you want to go? Like I can take you as far as North Dakota. I don't even call people anymore. If you're not calling me, text message me. What the fuck are you doing? Well, the only time you and I ever talk on the phone typically is on the way home from work. Cause we have time to, ba- to spare. Cause we're and, stuck in traffic. Yeah. And there's nothing to fucking do. So going back to our genius, Sean Frederick Weatherhead, um, this guy, has contacted the FBI enough times. First off, if you contact the FBI enough times to get added to the most wanted list, you're an idiot. Okay. You drove. That's uh, the people who investigate you for making threats and you're threatening them. You drove a Volvo 
we did plenty of when I say tran, uh, clandestine, I don't mean like we were shipping pounds and pounds of cocaine or anything no, like we that. We used to sneak into places. We never even stole. We weren't stealing stuff. We were sneaking in just for the thrill of sneaking in places. We would sneak into our uh, our buddy Adam. He ran a movie theater and shit like that. And Adam would climb into the top of the movie theater and jump down and let us in. That was the kind of shit we did. We never called the FBI a thousand <laughs> times and said, "I'm going to kill someone." Maybe soon. I don't know. I'm going to kill someone, though, possibly. We never did shit like that. But this guy has shit tattooed on his face, the word dork tattooed across his neck, and he's making threats to the FBI. I just, when I thought about this, I was like, you got to be a dumb motherfucker to be, you, wow. you got to be a dumb motherfucker to be stealing boxes on tape, number one. <laughs> number two, you got to be a dumb motherfucker to have dork tattooed across your neck and like musical bars across your head and be calling in threats to the FBI. The other thing I found funny, this dude is five foot six and 140 pounds and known <laughs> to carry a switchblade knife. Little dudes are always so angry. Five foot six. Little Think about dudes. that, Kenny. That dude is, what is that, six inches shorter than you? Yeah. And a hundred and... That you could break that dude over your knee. I think my thigh weighs 140 pounds. 140. I haven't weighed 140 pounds since I was in like eighth grade or some shit, dude. I don't remember being 140. I, mean, pounds. I love tattoos, but not on my fucking face and neck. There's when we talk about tattoos, an audience, if you're listening and you're you're right now going to be like screaming at your radio and shit like that. There's a few places that I don't think I could ever get a tattoo ever. My face. I'd never get my nuts or my dick tattooed. My face. My neck, my fingers, the fingers are job stoppers. If you yep. put them on your knuckles or put them across your fingers and shit like that, you are guaranteeing yourself. I heard somebody say this and I forget where it was. You're guaranteeing yourself a job that doesn't start until nine o'clock at night. Number yeah, one. See that. Uh, number two, you are guaranteeing yourself that you're probably never going to have a 401k with your job. If you have tattoos across your knuckles. My, Just, my general rule is that a standard polo has to be able to cover any of my upper body tattoos. How do you feel about tattoos for girls on their um, on their chest and shit like that? I know they're popular, but I, I, I don't think they're a good idea. I personally find it – I just don't find it attractive across the chest where it sticks out of the shirt and shit like that. I, I find I just, it attractive, but not in a healthy way. <laughs> kind of like when you're driving through the like trailer it's park. It's girlfriend material, but it's like, yeah. When you're driving <laughs> through the trailer park and you see an attractive girl, that's not attractive in a way you want to take home. That's an attractive in a way that maybe, you know, you might want to visit. <laughs> you might stop into the trailer and see what's going on, but you're not going to yeah. hang out. I mean, I like some girls that are just covered in tattoos. But again, that's not long term attraction. That's. Well, you can't say that, though. You might meet a girl tomorrow that fucking is a photographer and is covered head to toe in tattoos and you just fucking fall in love. I would not admit I would be perfectly fine telling her, hey, you you broke the mold. You broke the rule of averages because this wasn't likely. So, you know, there's that. So for me, when I first met my wife, she told me that I was completely opposite of the dudes that she would typically date. And I was like, well, that's fucking awesome. Thank you for taking a chance, I guess. (laughs) But. When it comes to tattoos and stuff like that, for me, I'm right there with you. If I can put on a polo and cover it, like maybe the the bottom of the tattoo comes out of the polo. That's about it. Like for your tattoos, maybe you'll see it if you lift your arm up. Yeah, if I move, you might see the foot of my Roman soldier. You might see the tail of the dragon on my other arm. Kenny has these uh, green uh, jail tattoos at this point, they're basically. They're not green at all. They're they're faded and green to the point where um, he really needs to get them touched up. I'm just going to go they ahead. They do need to be touched up, but they're not green at all. They're, if anything, they're gray. We may add a um, 
a goal on Patreon to pay for Kenny to be able to get his tattoos. I mean, both my tattoos up. are about 20 years old. I, mean, I remember when you guys went to get them and you, you were all stoked and came in and fucking, man, I got, I got these tattoos and shit. And I was like, dude, you got a, you got a soldier on your arm? It's a Roman soldier. Don't make it sound like I got fucking G.I. Joe on my arm. <laughs> Why did you get a soldier on your arm? Let's go back. Because back then we used to think we were like a little gang and we were, that was my little Roman fucking captain over here because I was one of the leaders. You were you were a leader, so I was going to get Capo Regima put underneath it, but I never went back and got the lettering done. But then later on, you were at a bar and decided to start uh, branding yourself. Oh, I didn't brand myself; somebody else did it. That's still dumb. One hundred dollars. So, still, I'm the only guy in the whole group that never got a tattoo at all. Um, I do have a friend. We were in a band. It was the first band we were ever in whatsoever. And Adam, if you listen to the podcast, I'm super sorry when I say this, but. He got the logo for the band of the very first band we were ever in together with the most basic shitty graphic <laughs> that my friend Jamie it's a big had. Eye it's, it says ire. It's like the eye of raw, but like it's but so bad a representation <laughs> of it. And it's just, and it's right on his fucking forearm at the top of it. And coincidentally, he works at a bar. He has a long beard, drives a motorcycle and shit like that. And he's fine. That's the guy he wanted to be. But Going back to the whole job stoppers across the knuckles and shit like that. I just, I can't do tattoos like that. I could get them on the tops of my arms and shit, but that's about as far as I could go. Yeah. The forearms are a lot more uh, acceptable than they used to be. Dude, I had people at my job, this guy um, that I worked with for the longest time. Uh, he's the guy I almost got in a fight with over uh, kickball. Um, he had fucking sleeves on his right and left arm where he would wear like these thin uh, cover tattoos, not cover tattoos, but like... Um, Arm stockings. Yeah, the arm stocking sort of things like the basketball players wear with the, like, the sleeve and shit like that across well, your arm. The, the basketball players are wearing compression sleeves. Shouldn't be fighting him over, over kickball. Dude, he was a little dude and he fucking, he came at me and I just, I, I felt like immediately I felt the You should have front of, kicked him like I did that goose. <laughs> hey, one more thing. Yeah? When you have the stereo on at the same time as the TV, how do you control the volume on the TV? Why do you want to listen to the TV with the stereo on? Because I like to party. You know what, man? Why am I still talking to you? That's it for Now That I'm Older this week, guys. Thank you so much for checking out the show. You can find us online, nowthatimolder.com, Facebook, Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter and Gmail, but it's at NTIOPod. Check back next Thursday for a brand new episode. And as always, getting older sucks, but can be awesome at the same time. Have a great week. All right, guys, this has been another episode of Now That I'm Older. I'm here with Kenny. He's decided I'm just taking off my headphones off. off. I have to go. I just told you. I got dirty drawers. We're not still talking about your underwear, Kenny. What the hell? All life have a balance. Uh, everything be better.